So we were actually just uh, Liz and I were just talking about the the Amy documentary about Amy Winehouse and how she didn't have good people to support her, but which may seem like an odd segue, but we want to talk about <laughs> yeah, it is about mentoring because I think it's also a lot about like having good support. Um, and it, obviously Liz Liz and I are here. Um, whenever you see, I guess, the success of a person in academia, it's not about them as an individual necessarily. Of course, it's their work, but also about mm-hmm. y- this whole support structure they have around them, which includes good mentors. And of course, uh, and this month is very important. Being... Yes, yes, yes. I was going to say, being that it is the end of January, so January is actually National Mentoring Month. So, and in America, you can't see this, right? You can't see this, but Zion is acting all bougie right now. Um, hey. He's like, well, in Canada, we don't do this. I'm like, all right. I don't know if bougie's um, the right word. But... Maybe like acting all international student, acting all Canadian. Um, the way you just put your hands in the air, that's bougie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a black thing to say. But <laughs> so anyway, it is mentoring, National Mentoring Month. Um, and since we're all currently in the United States, uh, we're going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know why this is a big contentious. Why is this, why is it uh, such a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. That it's not Canadian. No, no. It's just sort of funny. Cause I think, uh, when you originally told me, you're like, it's national, uh, it's like national mentoring month. And I was like, well, you know, national doesn't necessarily mean Canada, it wasn't supposed to. That's I why I said national. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> I guess I guess it's easy for a lot of Canadian things to be clapped into Americans. So that's why we're like really defensive about things like Canadian Thanksgiving being different and stuff, hmm. or that we don't have, like we have Remembrance Day, but I think you guys have Memorial Day, for mm-hmm. instance. So like, sometimes there's not enough difference between us, so we get super defensive about the little differences that are. This is interesting. But anyway, mm. back to the topic at hand. About mentoring, uh, yes. <laughs> so, um, I guess one some things that we wanted to do in this episode is talk about what mentoring means to us and talk about mentoring experiences that we have had mm-hmm. that were useful for making us who we are, or at least putting us in the stage that we are today. And um, I don't know, maybe even talking about what we think makes a good mentor. Yeah, and hopefully encouraging our listeners to both cultivate their relationship with their mentors, but also realize that often when you're just a grad student, you are also in a position to be a mentor to someone and that we sort of have to just keep on like, you know, paying it forward, I think and like mm-hmm. help to continue creating good ne- networks of good people in our disciplines and our professional lives and personal lives, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm, actually, that that's an interesting... It just made me think about how when I was looking for... Like when I was trying to network, um, I would do this thing where I would reach out to people and I guess not wonder why someone would respond back to me or, and I remember having, talking with someone and having them look at my emails. And then they said to me that, you know, your email's fine. You kind of hit all the right points, but it's also always going in one direction. Hmm. It's always going like, 
I need something from them and that I should do a, try to do a better job of um, conveying the point that they can also get something from me too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's necessarily like just a, a networking only perspective, but I think it is important to think about um, how mentoring and can go up and it can go down yeah. like directionally, like you can be mentored and in turn, you can also mentor other people. And I would argue that mentoring someone helps you understand like the energy it takes to be a mentor and how to appreciate what mentors actually do and also how to look for mentorship, I think. Like yeah. it, it really helps you all around as well as you're giving back to other people. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like there's something very reciprocal. It's just like teaching. It's not... Teaching isn't just a power relationship of you, of the teacher handing down knowledge to the the student. If you're teaching well, you're also learning at the same time. You're getting something from your students. And likewise with mentoring. Um, So uh, what do you think is mentoring then, Zai? So I definitely think, I think that the best kind of mentoring um, this is is a phrase (laughs) I've thought of and I'm rather fond of, but uh, the mentor takes you not just as the person you are, although rec- they rec- okay, a mentor recognizes the person you are and where you come from, but believes in the potential you have to be the person you can be. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. So there's something about a mentor who knows your best self, who believes in the best self that you, even you yourself can't see because you don't have that perspective. Because often, usually, of course, your mentor mm-hmm. is more advanced in your field, um, has more experience, but they can see what that can be and they're able to guide you to be that person. And I think that that's one mm. thing that I really appreciate about the mentors I've had at Cornell, like everyone from my advisor um, and many other faculty friends I've had you know, on my committee and off, that even when I just came in my first year, they always had this confidence in me. Like, of course, I had to, a lot to learn, but they, were, they projected mm-hmm. this confidence in who they knew that I could be and pointed me in the direction of the type of the person that they knew I could be. And I really appreciate that. And I think in some of these best cases... Um, I'm really happy that like uh, I have a, someone I consider a mentor who's not in my committee, not even in my department, uh, a couple of people mm-hmm. actually. There's Shawkat in Near Eastern Studies and Medieval Studies and Ron Hoy who's in Neurobiology and Behavior. And I so happen mm-hmm. to just stumble across these friendships with these much more senior faculty. But they've always treated me like as a, someone who would be a colleague, even though I was just, even though I'm a grad student. Yeah. Like they respected they saw a potential in me and willing to talk to me as someone as a colleague not talking down to me and I think that that has really helped my sense of self as an academic and also me as an individual yeah I think that's an important point um I think having mentors outside of like your primary advisor is really important because it helps foster that spirit of collegiality Mm -hmm. of really truly being colleagues with someone because you don't really owe them anything and you can kind of just be with them and have a different relationship. Um, not to say that I haven't gotten mentorship from my primary advisors. Mm-hmm. And by primary, I mean like, you know, my thesis advisor, the person whose lab I'm actually working in. But I really got a lot of support and guidance from people who I just reached out to. So like other faculty who actually had no responsibility towards me whatsoever, 
but kind of just like I met them at conferences, like stayed in contact with them or they worked down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, but just people that I can actually just talk to. And th- those relationships are very important to me, especially because yeah. we, we move on in our careers and um, I don't know, we we're able to help each other. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that I think one way that a more advanced grad student than me, who's now a professor, once expressed it like, if people love you in your department, that's great, but like you're not going to stay in your department forever, is another way to think about it. <laughs> and so I'm really lucky that like, I've been corresponding with one of my external mentors, um, who's at UBC, uh, getting her help on this article that I'm sen- sending out. And I've just cultivated this relationship with her for the past few years, and I get to see her at conferences. Mm-hmm. And it's great to have her perspective outside of Cornell. Likewise, I guess, um, Shawkat mm-hmm. and Ron, I think it, it's really important to know that you could talk to people outside your discipline because as a professor, you have to do service, sit on interdisciplinary committees. It's not just about your department, like how well do you play with others and think about right, university policy. Right. Yeah. I get all my good talking points from people that I know outside of my, my field and my, yeah, my department. Because they, they help me articulate my ideas better. Because if they can understand me, mm-hmm. then then I'm doing a good job. And then that said, you know, like people who've been around longer have a different perspective of the current academic climate, as an example. Yes. So, like, they can see cycles that I can't see. Or they are the ones who are the program directors of NIH and NSF, like the major science funding avenues so if change in leadership's happening they can tell me that and I then I get this kind of insight knowledge that I can kind of use to shape whatever I'm doing next so for me I guess mentorship is very much like what you say and that someone can see your see who you are now and they can kind of guide you to where you'd like to go um, I think mentorship also means that they're not only guiding you to where you want to go, but they're helping you even when you don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. like, and you don't know where you're going, which is, I think, quite often the case when you're just starting off and you don't actually even know what yeah. all the opportunities are. Yeah. So a good mentor connects you with opportunities. Like my advisor, my primary advisor, Shirley, is notorious among all her advisees, the fact that she'll just, mm-hmm. she'll forward a lot of emails about opportunities to us, just be like, there's a, here's a CFP, forward it to you. Here's this particular fellowship, forward, forward. And a lot of them, like, she knows, like, you don't, might not necessarily be interested in, but she wants you to know about them just to, like, broaden mm-hmm. your mind and broaden your sense of what the profession is. Um, yeah. And maybe something that she forwards to you, you may not have thought of, but it will be good for you. Um, yeah, and I would even recommend um, thinking about the kinds of mentors you have mm-hmm. because there's different levels. Yes. And so not every mentor has the time to send you, um, well, I guess let me say it this way. There are some mentors who I can tell them, like, yesterday was I was sad. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of relationship, relationship they want to have with me. That's not every mentor. Some mentors are literally like, I'm really busy. I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. But, and it doesn't mean they don't care about you. But it just means you have to kind of tailor what they have to offer. Um, so there are some people, and they tend to be like really high up, like if they're like the director of their group or they're on like multiple committees. 
Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is there are people who I can talk to about day-to-day -day things, and there are people who I talk to when I have like this life-changing decision or I have like something really, really big, and I want to talk about advice. Or, there's, or there are also people who I just talk to because there's a connection I'm trying to make, and I know that they know someone or they made that transition before me, and it's like this kind of periodic mentorship that I have. Mm -hmm. And so I would actually recommend that you, when you think about mentorship, think about how the fit works. Um, and also realize that the fit is not going to be the same for every person. Um, and just because someone doesn't have the right fit that you're looking for doesn't mean they don't care about you or they're not going to be a good mentor. You just have to use them in a different way. Yeah. And realize that maybe you need a combination of different approaches and that everyone Absolutely. brings something different to the table. And, I don't and you think, need them all. Yeah. And like, because you don't lose out because at the very least, I think like you have, you make a friends, I think is also like, you just expand your network, but which is, mm -hmm. I, I think, I think expanding network is a very technical, like cold way to say it. But just again, like I think about it as like building your community, building your support network, perhaps is a more, you know, empathetic human way to think yeah. about it. Actually, I mean, that's kind of perfect for this. Um, I, tweeted out this thing. I don't know if you saw it today. Actually, I think you did. I'm going to read it. Um, it's something I've been thinking about. And and I said, wait, wait, wait. You're putting a sense I of suspense. Said, this is very upsetting. <laughs> Lies. All right. I said, it's dawning on me that academia won't be the space that was provided for me, but one that I create. Mm. Not the one I dreamed of, but the one I build. And, and for me, what that really means is, is like the mentors that I make now and the mentees that I make now are going to be the people that I collaborate with, that I work with, that I ask advice for, and that you're building these relationships of trust mm -hmm. that you ultimately use for your career um and also i mean and i think about this in particular because if you go online you're going to see so many articles about um uh why phds are stupid for getting phds mm -hmm. um why the quit literature and just like how there's too many phds and how it's a horrible idea and at some point the realities of academia are horrible, true, but what's also true is you still have to make your path in that. You have to create that and you have to forge that and mentoring goes a long way into helping you understand how you make yourself fit in there. Yeah, I, I love your I loved your tweet, Liz, because it was so eloquent and I and that makes me think that I was saying earlier that like a mentor is like see, sees who you are and you know, who you can be, but yeah, maybe even, a, as you say, like a bigger way to think about how we do mentoring in general, both as we're ment mentored and mentoring others, is creating the type of academic academia we want to be in. Like we know that right. we live in, in an imperfect world in so many forms, but as educators and as people in academia, we want to make a university and a world that we want to be in um, and work towards that goal and make like recruit other like-minded people towards this goal. Right. Exactly. And so if I want to have a collegial environment, I have to create that and I have to be a part of that. So I have to give and, you know, receive that guidance. 
if I want to see people of color, I need to be the person of color. I need to recruit people of color. I don't know. It's like you, you, um, to use pop culture right now, like Mm -hmm. squad goals, you (laughs) got to make your squad Mm -hmm. and you take them with you. Should that be the title of this episode? (laughs) Squad goals. I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe this is also a good place for us to talk about some of the mentoring that we have done. We've talked a lot about the excellent mentoring that we've had and continue to have. Mm-hmm. But Liz and I have been in the position to uh, give, uh, like, pay it forward a bit. Um, for example, in my department, we have a mentoring program among graduate students. So I've mentored like four years of different um, earlier stage graduate students in English. Um, I've also been a part of uh, as a graduate research mentor to um, undergrads who are people of color thinking of going on in the humanities through the Office of mm-hmm. Academic Diversity Initiative. So as you're talking about, like, if we want to see more people of color, we have to mentor them. And so that was one thing I tried to make sure that I wasn't just advising them on their projects, but I tried to connect them um, with resources and like let them know like there is a culture out there, but also like let us know as women of color, we do face unique pressures. Um, and to be aware of that uh, and try to attend to them as whole human beings if they continue to uh, decide to pursue that path. Yeah, I have also done a fair share of mentoring. I um, come from a lab. My PhD was like the majority of the students there were undergrads. And I actually had six undergrads that I mentored who worked under, under me uh, specifically. But I think in general, I think I mentor 30 people. Wow. Um, I mean, everyone's always coming to me for advice and help with their problems and research or personal or professional, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, even grad students. And so that's kind of the role that I've always served yeah. in the lab. And yeah, and in community too. I do, I do a lot of things. And actually, one of the things I think about now, which is probably like even the negative side of, of mentoring, is um, mentoring is great, giving back is great, but you also have to be careful like how much you give back. That's very true. Um, it's a kind of emotional and, and, and it's more of a self-care issue, mm-hmm. a self-care and self-worth issue. So do you have the energy to mentor as much as you do? Are you know, are you placing your resources in the best way possible? Mm-hmm. Like I think, um, and some sometimes the best thing you can do to someone is say no or refer them to someone who has more time. Or um, as an example, let's say that somebody wants help from me, but they want help in um, English. I'm just being really dramatic here, yeah. but I, I know English, but I. That's not what I mean. I don't mean <laughs> no, I know no, what you know. I, I, under, I understand I what you mean. Face. I understand what you mean, Noah. I, I just could tell that you weren't saying what you wanted to say. But <laughs> It's like I'm not saying by any means that I understand nearly as much as, as no, you No, no, it's do. okay. You don't have to apologize. But, but the point is that I am more uniquely qualified to help someone in engineering or in cancer. Yeah. And so it's not worth my time or theirs, frankly, to mm-hmm. try to mentor them when there's a better pair out there. So I think 
the overall gist here is that the more that I do things and the higher up I go, so to speak, in academia, the more I realize how valuable my time is, um, if no one else but to me, but but also to try to strategize how I spend my time, which means that I don't have time for everyone. Even if I do, I don't because I also need to sleep and I do need downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so the situation where I was before where I was just like helping everybody at at all times of day wasn't productive for me. I didn't want to go to lab anymore because I got too many questions and I was really stressed out. I enjoyed helping people, but it was a lot of work. And the other thing is when you think about how much work that women do statistically of the emotional work that they don't get compensated for. Right. And so mentoring is great and giving back is great, but I'm also getting to that point where, you need to be compensated in some way. So unless you, whether that's like you emotionally benefit from that, like there are some times where I just like helping people because I feel like I'm helping the 17-year-old me that never got that help. Mm -hmm. And that kind of helps me in some weird kind of way. Um, That's not always the case, but sometimes like that's enough. Um, Sometimes I'm helping you because it directly helps me. Right, I'm making a colleague for the future, or we're actually working on the project together. And so, the more I help you, the more you'll be able to be independent and give back to me. Um, and it's not to say that you can't just always do something altruistically, but if it's actually causing you um, emotional distress, if you don't have time for it, you either need to get some sort of compensation, whether it's financial or professional, or you need to say no. I think that's such an important point Um, because, of course, not just that women are expected to do a lot of emotional and effective labor, but also that especially faculty of color or like minority, like Mm -hmm. queer faculty have to do so much. It's not like on the one hand, often they have they're called to do more service work on committees about diversity Mm -hmm. that often doesn't count in the same way to a tenure file. But often informally, they end up having so many more students come to their office hours who need mentoring and support. And as one of my friends described, it's like dealing with so many people's crises and that's necessary, but you also don't get compensated for it. And it also takes something from you. And it's something that should be recognized more that there is this type of unequal pressure placed on people who are already vulnerable and it's important work. And we all think it's important work, but sometimes it also can take something away from us. Um, Yeah. You know, I actually, I was on this, um, I was recently visiting another university and I was looking, I was interviewing, not interviewing, but meeting with different faculty. And what I noticed after the, after the whole day was over was that I had, even though I'm aware of all of these things, I had actually kind of done something that was a little bit unfair in that when I had a meeting with a male faculty member, we were just talking about research and potential stuff. And when I was talking with the female faculty member we started talking about research but you know we kind of like hit this one chord and then we just all started venting mm. about all the stress that we went through as women in academia and all things it's like a list of all the horrible things you ever heard someone's ever said to you and it wasn't that she wasn't open to that conversation but again it was like after the fact and I realized that I didn't also do that with the other faculty member yeah and if you think about that over time, if you think about her experience as a faculty member, where she's the one who has to hear like all my horrible stories, 
Mm-hmm. And that other guy didn't. And um, and I did that to her, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I just think it's something to be cognizant of and to, to think about. And I guess I actually feel kind of guilty saying that because this is supposed to be a podcast about mentoring and how it's great to give back and how, like, it's just, like, happy and we enjoy doing this. And it's like, how dare I say that there needs to be some sort of compensation or you have to say no when mentoring is great and we need to get back. Like, there's two messages going on here. I think that's one thing I really appreciated um, with the Office of Academic Diversity Initiatives, that they made a point to making the research the graduate research mentoring that we did like a paid thing mm-hmm. and actually that's um, I'm actually going to be part of this committee this semester that's going to be trying to put together um, a mentoring program for people who are interested in gender and sexuality studies through the Women's Resource Center and that's actually mm-hmm. a point I should bring up um, that it is important that it is such emotionally taxing time taxing labor and as people who are supposed to care about uh, people's labor that often tends to be very gendered labor um, we should try to see if there will be some sort of funds that could be given to mentors um, because mm-hmm. as like we want to be altruistic to make the world the academ- academia in the world that we want to see but in order to do that we have to survive first we have to be able to make it there so we can't forget about ourselves self-care is also an important yeah. part of the project and and again um actually trying to classify the kind of mentor you can be to who how many people you can be so sometimes Again, that mentorship can be listening to someone's stories, but sometimes it can also just be you can be the connector. So you can be the one who says, oh, you're having this problem. I want you to go talk to this person in this office because they can help you with this problem. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you don't have to actually be the one who answers every problem for a student. Which actually... Um, is an interesting thing about how I like to think about mentoring or what I've kind of realized because I, I'm very helpful. And sometimes I like to actually, I end up doing everything for someone. And I kind of had to realize that some people like part of the mentoring process and learning process is you have to fail. And so my job as a mentor isn't actually to just do everything for you. Mm -hmm. Um, like, in my, my opinion, it's sort of, yes, it's to see where you are now and to help you get where you need to be, but also you need to make those steps to get where you need to be. Mm-hmm. You can't like live someone's job, life for them. Yeah, like, my job is to say, like, here's the water. Um, come talk to me when you, when this water doesn't work for you or, if, like, there's something <laughs> going on, but... <laughs> um. I guess to me, like mentoring is like, let me, I think, I I guess with my mentors, mentees, I like to let them test the waters a little bit. And then, and I think I do that for two reasons. One is I need to know how serious you are. Mm -hmm. So I, and what I mean is like, I will actually invest more time in you if I know that you're actually going to follow up on my suggestions. Yes. But if I tell you to do something and you don't follow up like the next week you meet with me or the next month and you've done nothing. I'm, I'm probably not going to go like, well, let me go over it with you now. Maybe of course, like if you have, you're depressed or something that can affect, you know, your ability to actually act on things. But yeah, I guess like I, I think about those things. Like for me, I know what kind of person I am. And I also realize like I can't, 
just do everything. I can't walk you there all the time. I don't know if this is sounding very positive. I don't. I'm not getting a very positive impression of myself right now. As I'm no, no. I, I, I think it does sound like I think that you're what you're doing is doing, showing a really considered. Okay, I think that what you're showing, is that, I think that in a lot of the rhetoric about mentoring, it's very easy to say that when you're a good mentor, you try to see the other person as a whole human being. But the mentor also has to be a whole human being, and so we're mm-hmm. trying to teach people not just to mentor, but how, like, we're trying to show people how to mentor, and that also means about looking after yourself, and what it means to be a mentor, not just to the, the act of mentoring mm-hmm. the other person, but what does it mean for you yourself to be a mentor. Right. And I don't think that people give as much information on that uh, that I'm aware of. Yeah. Actually, that's true. I mean, again, like, if, like the one thing you take away from this is to to think about what you're really good at, and to think about what you really have to offer, and if at all possible, try to make your mentoring interactions align with that because you're going to, it's going to be a better interaction. And I guess that's a lesson that I learned, not just, I didn't just wake up one day and think that, but when I was trying to look for mentors in the pharmaceutical industry, like you do a lot of cold emailing, you do a lot of networking. And I, I started to realize that the people who are responding to me that wanted to actually meet with me and try to guide me were the people who were actually doing things that aligned with what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I guess that's the thing. Like, if you can give someone a story, you can tell them how excited you are, and they can actually like you a lot, but if they can't help you, if they know nothing about your subject, then they're going to say, I'm sorry, but I can't help you. Mm-hmm. I was also going to put, like, uh, also maybe a depressing note on that, is that I think there was a study, <laughs> I think it was last year or the year before, um, where someone was testing to see how people were, how academics responded to students who were emailing them for some sort of mentoring help, and they showed that there's mm-hmm. a lot of prejudice, I think, against women, but particularly, um, of course, people of color, but particularly people with Chinese names, mm. that there's this, uh, that they're least likely to get responses if they sent these the same emails to faculty members using a Chinese name, because perhaps it has to do with the place of international students in American higher education. That on the one hand, people want those that money money and numbers but like there's a lot of cynicism about like how you use their labor or what their capabilities are um sorry to bring up the depressing point no no that that's very important and i think it's i don't think people understand the real challenges that international students face and i also think there are ways in which international students don't appreciate the challenges that they face as in they don't often connect the challenges that they're facing to be uniquely challenges that international students yeah. face versus, yeah, that's very true. Um, oh, this is everyone. Like, because you're just so cha- like trained to not raise, you, to not say anything, mm-hmm. to not talk about it. Or you're trying to um, like, do everything by merit and you forget that, you know, you're still part of the system or like you could be affected by that. Yeah. I mean, and obviously I'm not international, but I have talk to or heard enough international people cry, so to speak, that I that I know that there are issues. And also there are times where, um, you know, I'm like, that's a problem. And they don't know it's a problem because they're like, well, I don't want my money to go away or things like that. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder, I was actually so surprised. Um, so that study showed that there's a bias against applicants with 
Chinese names in academia looking for help. But of course, there's also been a lot of studies being done about job applicants with identical resumes who get prejudiced against if they seem to have like so-called black names. And I also wonder mm-hmm. if that would then also impact, say, someone with a name like that who's trying to reach out for mentoring help in academia, right? Even though that yeah, that would be interesting. That, but maybe the study didn't cover that aspect. Yeah, I still remember this time in undergrad um, when I was applying to grad school. I actually cold I emailed professors and asked if I could mm-hmm. talk with them. Like I kind of uh, did this. I would email people, faculty there. Before I applied. That's really smart. And uh, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I had to. Um, pat, you got to pat yourself in the back sometimes. And I remember kind of casually mentioning this to a professor of a class I was taking. Like it was a physics class. It was just, you know, like a few minutes before class started. And people were talking about, um, they were talking about grad school admissions. And people were actually talking about how no one was responding to them. And I was like, um, everybody, but one person responded back to me. So Noah actually had a really good return. And then the professor, he was surprised by that because he was like, Oh, I don't respond to anybody. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I, so I think, um, based on what I hear, I know I'm an anomaly, an anomaly. Like I don't, I don't then say that, oh, everyone responds. I just kind of know I'm an anomaly. I don't know why, because based on the stats, apparently I shouldn't have gotten any responses back from people. But um, maybe but I also think I don't know. how to do the emails. Maybe your emails are just particularly well-worded. Actually, I do think they were well-worded. Mm-hmm. Um, I put a lot of effort into those things. <laughs> and I. So what I would also do, I use my privilege. Like, I would make the header, it would say, Penn physics student interested in your lab <laughs> for grad school. It would be something, yeah. it would be something where, like, because my whole idea was if you only have two seconds and you only look at the header, mm-hmm. how am I going to get you to click on it? Yeah. It was sort of like, how do I do academic porn? How do I get you to click on the boobs? And, <laughs> and so oh, it was like Penn student. Penn student interested in this and then you know the the first paragraph was always like here's why I want to be in your lab mm-hmm. here's what I and it was always name dropping oh I work with Arginio oh I'm from Penn oh I do physics um mm-hmm. oh this is what I want to do so I don't I don't know if people kind of wrote those kind of emails or show that kind of initiative I also knew that I was working on the fact that most people don't expect undergrads to have the kind of savvy Mm-hmm. So they were automatically going to respect me more because I was sending well-structured sentences to people. Hey, Liz. I don't yeah. think I ever mentioned I was black or female, but that would be interesting. Well, I think from your name. They would know I was female by Elizabeth, yeah. but they yeah. wouldn't know that I was black. Mm-hmm. And you said enough people by your name alone have thought that you weren't black, which is something we've covered yeah, in a previous they, episode. They, yeah. yeah. For those and if of you they listening, hear my voice, they yeah. don't think I'm black. Yeah. For those of you who are listening, check out the episode What's in a Name for more on that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I chose where I wanted to go for my master's program. I was lucky enough to get into every place I applied to in Canada for my master's. Um, and I decided to go to Dalhousie because Jason Haslam, who is the person I wanted to work with, reached out to me. And I knew he'd be a good mentor. And I saw when I got there, like, how well and how, how happy his students were. And we're still friends now, and I still consider him a mentor. 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you... I think the... Oh. As... I know. I was just thinking about um, um, Dr. Larry Gladney, who is a professor at Penn. He's actually the only... Uh, it may have changed recently, but when I was there, he was the only black professor in the sciences at Penn at all. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was in physics, and so that was like a amazing experience for me to have him just in the hallway, and I could always go talk to him. And uh, he's actually someone I still talk to now. And, and he's, every time I go back to Philly, I always ask if we can get together, and um, I talk with him. And he, he's like this calming person for me because um, whenever I want to freak out, he's just like, it's okay. Yeah, that's exactly what my um, vibes are. They're jacket, they're assholes. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, you said asshole. But it's like, you know, and maybe he didn't. He doesn't really talk like that. But I kind of translate mm. his calmness into actual, like. Anger translator. The anger translator. Actually, he's very Obama-esque, you mm. know. They might be the same age range. Yeah. But I still talk with him. He was really influential for me. And it was funny because when I was at Penn, we never talked about race. Hmm. Like we never, he never once was like, yeah, as a black person, you're going to be different. And, um, and I remember that because I was kind of expecting that we would, but then because he never did, I just stopped trying to think of myself as being black. Um, hmm. And I know that sounds weird, and I, but the thing is, I think in some cases, personally, like even though like all this stuff is going on, I actually do think it's important every now and then to try to not think of yourself in terms of your achievement. Like if you always are thinking about all the odds that are against you, then you have less time to think about what you're actually doing. And also it could create stereotype threat, as Claude Steele has demonstrated. So we got to talk about physics and not necessarily like, mm-hmm. well, we're the only black people in this building. Uh-huh. <laughs> Perhaps another, this, another thing I forgot to add about mentors, but like what I like about some of my mentors is that they model the kind of person I want to be. It's not just that they see the person mm-hmm. I could be, but like, say, like Shirley is able to manage so many different things and I see the type of person that I want to be in her or another my committee members, Eric, is very um, politically vocal and he's tied both in his work and and the type of work he does in the community and for the university. And that's the kind of academic I want to be who's that engaged in so many levels or with our our good mentor, our good advisor, then we might want to be realize that's how I'm going to advise my students one day. Like we model ourselves after our mentors. Mm. (laughs) Actually, um, at Cornell, there's a professor, his name is Peter Dorschuk. And what I admire about him is that he actually really enjoys teaching mm-hmm. and he enjoys mentoring and he he has made that a priority in his career. And in particular, he's like, you'll know that you hear him. He's just like this really loud person. He's very tall and he laughs. It's just loud. Um, um, there's no such thing as meeting with him for 15 minutes. Um, it's going to take three hours. Mm-hmm. sometimes people enjoy that sometimes people don't but what I like about him is that there have been times in my career when I really needed it and he would just say like you know what's going on what what are the issues and he's like I I will be loud for you Mm -hmm. I will I have nothing to lose here and I can speak for you so you just have to tell me what the students need and I can't tell you how important that was to have someone who was willing to say that 
on your side, willing to. And then ironically, like, I guess inversely how that was absent from my other faculty relationships. There were really people out there who were saying like, what do you need? I will get that for you. Mm -hmm. I will stand up against other people to make sure that you get this because I need your voice to be heard. I need you to feel safe and welcome. Yeah. So shout outs to him for that. Yeah, shout outs he to knows our, this, of our amazing mentors. <laughs> I actually have to start yeah. wrapping up because house dinner is actually about to start. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, so, I'm still a graduate resident fellow, and Liz has grown beyond that. But thanks so All much. Right, yeah, Liz. I have I think... this incubation time right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that this was—you were worried at one point about this not sounding like positive, but I think it was. I hope so. <laughs> Maybe it's more about savvy mentoring and not just mentoring itself. Mm-hmm. And also how I think about mentoring is actually based on how other people do it successfully mm-hmm. and how they're able to mentor and have careers and like personal lives outside of that and also be fulfilled in it mm-hmm. and not have like it taking over their life. So, yeah. so props for our listeners. Um, remember to thank your mentors because it, it is work. Actually, yes. And also to pay it forward. So also remember to, to mentor others. And we have to be the kind of change we want to see in the world, or the kind of change that we want to see in academia. And we can't do it yeah. alone. Hashtag squad goals. Hashtag squad goals. <laughs> well. All right. So as usual, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and SoundCloud. And Twitter. Please. And Twitter. Please um, rate, comment, subscribe. And we'd love to hear from you and any great mentoring stories that you may have. Take care.